Chapter Twenty of the Life of Kit Carson by Edward S. Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Alarming news awaited Fremont at Fort Laramie. A number of trappers informed them that the Sioux, through whose country their route lay, were excited to exasperation by several recent conflicts with hunters in which the red men were worsted. The Sioux warriors were gathered in large numbers and would attack any white men who ventured beyond the fort. They had already massacred a number, and it was impossible for Fremont and his party to get through without a battle in which they were likely to be overwhelmed. Carson looked upon the situation as so serious that he made his will and left it at the fort. When consulted by Fremont, he said he considered the prospect full of peril, but he was ready to go the moment required. The commander was confident, the danger was greatly exaggerated, and without much misgiving he resumed his journey westward, following up the north fork of the Platte. Game and water were found, and at the end of three weeks they arrived at the south pass of the Rocky Mountains without having exchanged a shot with a red man on the way. They had now reached their destination, and Lieutenant Fremont at once began his observations. When they were concluded, he undertook the ascent of the highest mountain peak. The situation was anything but encouraging. They were in the country of the hostile Blackfeet, some of whom were observed hovering in the vicinity. Men and animals were worn out, and it was hard to procure game. But the ascent was begun, Fremont taking fourteen men with him. Those who were left in camp erected a rude but strong fort, behind which they were confident they could sustain themselves against any force the Indians were likely to muster. The ascent of the mountain was laborious in the extreme. Kit Carson climbed to one of the loftiest peaks from which he gained a full view of the very highest elevation. The next day, Fremont sent Carson and several of the men back. He unquestionably intended that no one should share with him the honor of climbing the most elevated point. This exploit is worthy of description at the hands of the Pathfinder himself. Quote, at intervals we reached places where a number of springs gushed from the rocks, and about eighteen hundred feet above the lakes came the snow line. From this point our progress was uninterrupted climbing. Hitherto I had worn a pair of thick moccasins with soles of parflesh, but here I put on a light, thin pair which I had brought for the purpose, as now the use of our toes became necessary to a further advance. I availed myself of a sort of comb of the mountain, which stood against the wall like a buttress, and which the wind and solar radiation, joined to the steepness of the smooth rock, had kept almost entirely free from snow. Up this I made my way rapidly. Our cautious method of advancing in the outset had spared my strength, and with the exception of a slight disposition to headache, I felt no remains of yesterday's illness. In a few minutes we reached a point where the buttress was overhanging, and there was no other way of surmounting the difficulty than by passing around one side of it, which was the face of a vertical precipice of several hundred feet. End quote. Parflesh is the name given to buffalo hide. The Indian women prepare it by scraping and drying. It is exceedingly tough and hard, and receives its name from the circumstance that it cannot be pierced by arrows or spears. 
the entire dress of fremont and his party on their ascent to the top of america consisted of a blue flannel shirt free and open at the neck the collar turning down over a black silk handkerchief tied loosely blue cloth pantaloons a slouched broad-brimmed hat and moccasins as above described it was well adapted to climbing quite light and at the same time warm and every way comfortable Quote, putting hands and feet in the crevices between the blocks i succeeded in getting over it and when i reached the top found my companions in a small valley below descending to them we continued climbing and in a short time reached the crest i sprang upon the summit and another step would have precipitated me into an immense snow-field five hundred feet below to the edge of this field was a sheer icy precipice and then with a gradual fall the field sloped off for about a mile until it struck the foot of another lower ridge i stood on a narrow crest about three feet in width with an inclination of about twenty degrees north fifty one degrees east as soon as i had gratified the first feelings of curiosity i descended and each man ascended in turn for i would only allow one at a time to mount the unstable and precarious slab which it seemed a breath would hurl into the abyss below we mounted the barometer in the snow of the summit and fixing a ramrod in a crevice unfurled the national flag to wave in the breeze where never flag waved before during our morning's ascent we met no sign of animal life except a small bird having the appearance of a sparrow a stillness the most profound and a terrible solitude forced themselves constantly on the mind as the great features of the place here on the summit where the stillness was absolute unbroken by any sound and the solitude complete we thought ourselves beyond the region of animated life but while we were sitting on the rock a solitary bee bombus terrestris the bumblebee came winging his flight from the eastern valley and lit on the knee of one of the men around us the whole scene had one main striking feature which was that of terrible convulsion parallel to its length the ridge was split into chasms and fissures between which rose the thin lofty walls terminated with slender minarets and columns which are correctly represented in the view from the camp on island lake according to the barometer the little crest of the wall on which we stood was three thousand five hundred and seventy feet above that place and two thousand seven hundred and eighty feet above the little lakes at the bottom immediately at our feet our camp at the two hills an astronomical station bore south thirty east which with a bearing afterward obtained from a fixed position enabled us to locate the peak the bearing of the trois tetons was north fifty degrees west and the direction of the central ridge of the wind river mountains south thirty nine degrees east the summit rock was nice Sinite and felspar succeeded in our descent to the snow line where we found a felspathic granite i had remarked that the noise produced by the explosion of our pistols had the usual degree of loudness but was not in the least prolonged expiring almost instantaneously having now made what observations our means afforded we proceeded to descend we had accomplished an object of laudable ambition and beyond the strict order of our instructions 
we had climbed the loftiest peak of the Rocky Mountains, and looked down upon the snow a thousand feet below, and standing where human foot had never stood before, felt the exultation of first explorers. It was about two o'clock when we left the summit, and when we reached the bottom, the sun had already sunk behind the wall, and the day was drawing to a close. It would have been pleasant to linger here, and on the summit, longer. But we hurried away as rapidly as the ground would permit, for it was an object to regain our party as soon as possible, not knowing what accident the next hour might bring forth. End of quote. This mountain, which bears the name of Fremont's Peak, in honor of the great pathfinder, was found to be 13,570 feet above the Gulf of Mexico. The object of the expedition was accomplished, and preparations were made for the return to the States. No accident worth the mention had befallen the explorers, and the Blackfeet, from whom so much was feared, did not molest them. It may have been that when their scouts reconnoitred the camp, they found the barricade so strong and the garrison so watchful that they decided it would be too costly to make an attack upon them. It is not impossible that some one or more of them recognized the daring mountaineer who more than once, years before, had given their warriors such severe defeat and punishment. If such was the truth, we cannot but respect the discretion they showed. Fort Laramie was reached in the month of September, 1842. There, as Kit Carson's labors were ended, he bade his commander and friends good-bye, and started for New Mexico. Fremont and his men reached the states in safety, and thus ended his first exploring expedition. End of chapter 20